At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tuesday night edition of the pod. We're going to start with Danny. Do a little quick hitters here. Five minutes or less uh, on all the important games tonight that we watched. And then we're going to have Mark Stein on to talk about some of the upcoming coaching vacancies and some potential candidates there. When we start with Toronto Cleveland in what was yet another disheartening loss for the reps. Yeah, this is a tough one to take for a couple reasons. One, George Hill didn't play. Kyle Corver didn't play. And... No, Cal Corver did play, good game. but he, uh, yeah, oh, this is his play. first game back. Uh, he had, had a. That's right. I, I, he, he, the rotation was yeah. a little bit different. That's right. But uh, Cleveland, I thought the 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 rotation, the set with Thompson, Nance, and Love, kind of two of the three being on the court at any one time. This was the best I've seen anything like that work. LeBron, of course, was great, and a lot of the concerns that whether you're more negative or positive on Toronto against Cleveland in particular reared their heads again in this one. This is a little bit weirder of a game i thought uh but certainly the inability to guard lebron was there down the stretch and we saw lou go to love at center lebron was able to get into the post against lowry against DeRozan, and they had no answers whatsoever for that cleveland starters in some ways it was a really odd game because cleveland went nine out of their first 13 from three and then four out of their next 17 they got to the foul line way more uh lebron in particular and he controlled the game with uh 27 points six assists 10 rebounds toronto for some reason just couldn't hit a shot at the rim in this game and cleveland is one of the worst rim protecting teams in the nba like and i don't know what it was like toronto just like wasn't going up strong like they were trying to go for these reverse versus on the other side of the rim and getting blocked by jeff greed and tristan thompson i mean guys who are not the greatest rim protectors in the world and kyle lowry was awful five points two out of 11 the night after going to san antonio to watch the villanova game so that was uh i don't take as much away from this game as i did the first one between these two teams uh and ironically in that one the Cavs were even more shorthanded and still lost yeah i think that's fair and the raptors for a, a brief second it looked like the, the number one seed was even more in jeopardy because they were only going to be one game ahead of the Celtics with both a game against them and the tiebreaker hanging in the balance in a game that will be on Wednesday. But Boston lost in a game we are not covering in this to the to the Milwaukee Bucks. So now Toronto gets a little bit more breathing room. Yeah, it, it, we'll talk a little bit more about the playoff picture momentarily. And 
you know, the Toronto's bench really got worked in this one a lot of the way. And that's a surprise. Though Cleveland's bench has been an underrated part of the success that they have had this year. To the extent you want to call it success, uh, they were able to hold their own. Oh, we have to talk yeah. about we have to talk about Calderon. Oh, yeah. I mean, Calderon started out this game on absolute fire. I think he had 11 points in about the first five minutes. Finished with 19 points on 12 shooting possessions, along with four assists and only one turnover. A lot of the hallmarks in terms of efficiency that he had as a Raptor, though obviously this is a different Calderon, and some of the defensive foibles were still there. But as we said, Lowry did not have a good night. Yeah, that was a, a lot of it in the beginning. And I thought that Jordan Clarkson was really bad in this game. Just a lot of tough, contested twos. He had six points on three of 11. He, he's out there to score the ball with their second unit, but that part of the second unit wasn't as effective just right at the start of uh, the second and fourth quarters. And then they would write the ship oftentimes, like right when he would go out of the game. Um, it's so interesting still to see Tristan Thompson as just a bit player on this team. You know, 14 minutes tonight, did not attempt a field goal, one offensive rebound. Man, this is so hard to do, and I know we only have five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess the, the last takeaway here for me would be OG Ananobi was plus three for the game 21 minutes actually did not get the Keith Bogans they brought him back in and I thought and, and he was key in helping them close the gap late in the second half to get back into contact or I'm sorry late in the second quarter and then he got the Keith Bogans again but I thought he still showed some promise against LeBron got into him you know is he going to be able to avoid fouling he was getting away with a lot of forearm shoves that weren't getting called but I thought he was getting into LeBron, making him a little bit uncomfortable, although it was kind of regular season LeBron mode for a, a lot of this game. Uh, but Siakam got worked. And then they had all these instances where CJ Miles was trying to guard him. We saw what happens with that in last year's playoffs when LeBron just, you know, trucked CJ Miles every single time. Uh, so I, I think OG is going to end up being their best option, but especially as Cleveland, I think what if they won nine out of 10 now, the Cavs? That sounds and right. And for all that the Raptors have been good for this great Celtics run that they've had without Kyrie Irving, although they lost tonight without Terry Rozier healthy either, I still feel like it's Cleveland's conference to lose. Uh, nobody is. Uh, been able to stop them and if you take out that period when isaiah was there you know they're totally right about the same level they were last year in the regular season yeah and i don't think anybody can outscore them and in the east that's probably enough for cleveland to to take it or at least to be the favorite yeah too. and that's the thing with toronto it's like it, now it was a pretty high scoring game the last time these two hooked up but toronto has never been able to score as effectively against cleveland as both teams regular season offensive and defensive numbers would indicate let's turn now to another game that we watched a fair amount of denver and indiana indiana's luck on the road finally ran out they had their chances in this one victor oladipo was awesome but nikola Jokic and will barton were both spectacular Jokic had 30 points on 11 of 17 Jokic has been more aggressive looking for the three-pointer of late i think that's really opened up his game also had seven assists in this one um by the way for you uh i know they won tonight but for those of you who've been defending Jokic's defense uh bob vulgaris uh, another guy who agrees with me he's other than rebounding he was saying you know he's not going to be an adequate defensive player uh which i agree with he's just the numbers favor him in part because the nuggets are so awful with him off the floor i thought though that the nuggets at the very end did do a decent job of at least getting the ball out of oladipo's hands and forcing thad young to beat them with floaters uh, on the pick and roll which was just enough and then the pacer 
Pacers made a couple of key defensive mistakes late. There was one time where Darren Collison just rotated to Jokic for no reason. There was no reason to switch. And then Turner had to run to the corner and get Jamal Murray. He hit a key corner three to put the Nuggets up six. And that was the Pacers never really got back in contact after that point. Uh, interesting to see that the Pacers went with Corey Joseph down the stretch. I think after Collison had that little misstep, but that hurt their ability to score it on the end too, because Joseph is not really much of a spacing threat. Another thing that hurt the Pacers' ability to score late was I thought Paul Millsap was great defensively. Yeah. And the Nuggets are going to need that. Not only theoretically in the playoffs should they make it but to get there and every single game they play the rest of the year is going to be tough that's that 10 straight games to end the season against teams that are either in or fighting to make the playoffs and so they'll need Millsap in that and there were a couple moments where Malone tried to get Jokic you know off the floor for some key defensive possessions had defensive stopper Mason Plumlee out there but Millsap did a lot of the heavy lifting there and considering that huge block Mason Plumlee had in their last game in the win over Milwaukee I can understand a little bit more why they wanted to go in that direction yeah and Malone like for example he called a timeout his use it or lose it timeout right after three minutes remain uh right before three minutes the three minute mark in the fourth basically doing an offense defense possession right before then putting in Plumlee and then calling a timeout to get Jokic back on so I thought that was a good use of of that timeout uh you know Miles Turner really was not effective offensively only got seven shots they did a good job of forcing the ball into the hands uh, of Young instead who they put Jokic on uh they had Millsap guarding Turner and then I thought offensively for the Nuggets you know it wasn't an amazing offensive performance for them they didn't shoot the three ball particularly well at 10 out of 32 but Millsap his 6 out of 15 when he was out there with the starters was more just in the flow catching off a of closeouts, trying to drive to the basket you know it wasn't hey let's go post up Paul Millsap and see whether he can score or not it was more pick and roll with Jokic DHO stuff with Jokic and then have Millsap work off of that so I, I like the way their offense ran a little bit better than it has in some of the games when uh, Millsap had just returned um what else do you want to talk about here well Wilson Chandler came back uh he played with a face mask on yeah. and yeah. broken I, nose I thought that right? he helped being out there yeah broken nose yeah and so i thought having him just help deepen the front court rotation you know then allowed tory craig to come off the bench and he actually got black he got hit in the face pretty hard as well and and had a whole issue with that but they're going to need the the nuggets are going to need their full complement of players to make this last run and i'll just quickly rattle off what it is so host minnesota in that gigantic game on thursday at the clippers and then five finally host the Blazers and the Wolves unless I got the home road on that one uh yeah the last game's at Minnesota I just need to put the ad in yeah so the Nuggets do control their destiny and we can save the playoff race a little bit later just to catch you up on, on a little bit more here San Antonio and the Clippers are, are still in progress as we record this in the fourth quarter one point game I had to record now because we're gonna have Stein on right after this elsewhere in the west uh Golden State beat Oklahoma City 111-107 let's talk about that that one a, a little bit because this is another one that's got to be a little bit disheartening for the Thunder who really just did not get a good offensive game from anyone other than Russell Westbrook in this yeah a lot of the support players had opportunities Corey Brewer went back to earth a little bit from three one of four Paul George three of nine and I, I thought I saw some quotes 
from him after the game that his shots feels a yeah. little off right now. And, you know, there were there were times when it looked a little off during the game. And also a really rough night, which was surprising from their bench. And considering the Warriors were shorthanded, not only without Steph Curry, but Sean Livingston and Andre Godalo were both out. And so the playmaking responsibilities was, was a narrow group. And Clay Thompson got in foul trouble right away. So it looked like they were going to be put in some real jeopardy, made it through that fine, got a, a nice second unit stint, and then just basically held on. The other shocking thing <laughs> about this game was clutch minutes for Damian Jones. I mean, Damian Jones basically has been an afterthought for the Warriors for two years and was is their sixth center, basically. And they had five centers the, active this for this game. This was the first meaningful minutes well. of his NBA career, I would say. Yeah, in the second to last week of his second, of his second NBA season. And he played well. He brought some energy. They got him a couple lobs, including one from, from Draymond Late. And he closed the game as the Warriors ended up pulling away. Yeah, and he definitely, like, if he has a chance to load up, he can really get up there. But he also has improved his finishing to, to some degree. Uh, he had a, a couple of nice finishes on reverse layups uh, as well, where he eluded the defense and didn't get killed too badly on the offensive glass uh, uh didn't commit too many bad fouls he had only four fouls in 14 minutes that's probably better than, than would be expected for him but, but he was plus nine and the warriors were able to pull away late clay thompson who was hot early although he cooled off later then kd had 24 in the first half then was able to keep his night alive by getting to the foul line although he was off in the second half finished 9 out of 25 from the field for okc russell westbrook 44 points in 41 minutes he did it efficiently three out of seven from three more threes than he's been attempting lately but during them got to the foul line for 12 attempts five offensive rebounds as well as some of those coming as they're desperately trying to get back in the game late and then 15 out of 26 from the field total did have six six turnovers uh, and OKC had a mere 13 assists six of which were by Westbrook but other than some just inexcusable defensive lapses when he just you know wasn't helping but just took his eye off a shooter in the corner and just uh, gave up wide open shots for no reason uh he was outstanding in this one but the support players from OKC again uh as it was the case in Oakland late in February just totally failed them tonight another way that happened was late in the second quarter Durant had did a lot of his damage in the first he had i believe it was six or seven points oh in quick succession when carmelo anthony ended up on him and it was a preview of what billy donovan in oklahoma city is going to have to deal with in a couple weeks because as teams adjust and plan for an opponent they're just going to start going after Melo constantly and the warriors did it more today than they pretty much have the entire season on any opponent it was actually reminiscent of what they used to do against ennis canner back in the days that ennis canner was on the thunder yeah it it was late in the first half they get, they were switching with mellow running pick and rolls with kd I, I have liked that the warriors have evolved to going with more high pick and roll with kd rather than the wing iso because that he's in a much better position to force help it's much harder uh at the rim or it's harder to bring help from the weak side you and you've got more spacing than clearer passing angles than you have when you're basically just clearing out a side for him and you know him going one-on-one -on -one against paul george is not great but when you got carmelo anthony there i liked the fact that steve kerr kind of broke the offense and went after anthony a little bit more so they got the switch kd blew by him twice to his right hand for a floater and kd's just mid-range shooting it's unbelievable when he when he has a good look for mid-range like it's just going down like sometimes you can get a good contest and force him out of it but if it's a good look for him like he's just not going to miss that shot and then uh Mello committed a three-shot foul on him and then late in the game they tried to do conventional 
pick and roll defense with Mello, and they ended up just giving up a lot of penetration that way as well he really is just an absolute traffic cone in conventional pick and roll defense and so that's uh it's gonna be a major problem especially late in games for the thunder when teams really lock in on going after mellow and with mellow's four out of 16 0 of nine from three and he took some real bad ones too i mean this wasn't a case of like oh all these open shots that he's missing like he was forcing it and forcing it over like some pretty good defenders at times too and then paul george wasn't able to really get going either i thought i didn't really care for his approach a lot of dribbling from him especially when he's guarded by kevin durant which to me kd as an iso defender is one of the better guys in the league unless you're just really really fast but what he can't do is get through screens and so i would have liked to have seen okc focus more on bringing george off of some of those pin downs set a screen with the center when because okay or uh the warriors were going with the traditional center the whole game pretty much so they're not going to switch that uh and i think you can get george open that way when he's guarded by durant but i didn't see them go to that a ton i was watching some other games but uh did you see them go to that at all no, not really. I'm trying to think if there are any other significant stories. Oh, well, the Warriors started Zaza Pachulia. They've been bouncing around the starter, probably because of Steven Adams. I didn't think he was great, but the pro- the idea was to keep Steven Adams off the offensive glass. That didn't work super well, but that's the concept behind yeah, it. Yeah, Adams had eight offensive rebounds, but at least wasn't able to turn it into many points. He was three of six, and two of his three makes were on consecutive post-ups against JaVale McGee, who uh, gave Steve Kerr a great reason to play Damian Jones instead. Uh, and then you Nick did. Young was somehow plus 13 in this game <laughs> he was so bad on defense uh it was but amazing. like playing he and javel together it just i mean I, if they do that in the playoffs i mean this is just you know a skeleton warriors crew they're not trying that hard which is why it's got to be a little uh depressing for okc to lose a game that they desperately needed like this and, and lose it to kd of course uh as the leading man without stuff but you know i don't think we're gonna see much of javel and much of uh nick young when it counts i mean they had iguodala and livingston and obviously curry as well it, we're all out and uh queen cook continues to, to play well also started again 37 minutes 12 points uh shot the ball well you got to guard him and, and that's uh that's what they really need from that position at this point although uh you know if he gets matched up on his own like westbrook he could be a, a little bit overmatched so r- real quickly through the rest of the western conference rockets beat the wizards that's no good for the wizards but uh and the rockets everything's sewn up but still beat them pretty badly anyway james harden got back on track there the mavericks who tried their absolute hardest to tank out of this one beat the blazers 115 109 throughout much of the end of the game their lineup was moxie kleba and Salah Mejri up front kleba hit two big threes down the end Doug McDermott at the three and uh, Yogi Ferrell and Aaron Harrison at the guards. And then they brought Dennis Smith back in because the Blazers were pressing at the end. And Smith actually played well, 18 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. And when the Blazers tried pressing him, he just drove through it like they were standing still and also had this steal and uh, a nice dunk that uh, maybe Rick Carlisle, I'm sure, appreciated as as much as he appreciated Jordan Bell's off-the-backboard job earlier. Uh, Smith got on the fast break, (laughs) bounced it to himself in the air and dunked it, which was awesome uh, to everyone who's sane except for Rick Carlisle. Uh, And clearly, you know, again, they're trying to tank this, although they did play Harrison Barnes 34 minutes, but, you know, they, they were 
were not playing their best guys down the stretch clearly and the Blazers just couldn't come back Dame Lillard still continues to get to the free throw line really well but it, he struggled from the field 6 to 20 CJ was 7 out of 18 and Blazers really missing Mo Harkless and even the the modicum of shooting that he was able to provide Evan Turner only 25 minutes he started but it yielded to Shabazz Napier who shot it well down the end of the game but they couldn't stop anybody with those three guards on the floor and uh Kleba shooting lights out so uh disastrous win for the Mavs probably not a disastrous loss for the Blazers although it does uh, and they had OKC on their tail but they lost tonight so still uh, why don't we get to I don't think we have any other relevant games in the West uh, other than the San Antonio Clippers game I guess San Antonio maybe if they win it could be looking at the third seed if the Blazers continue to lose some of these yeah they could so why don't you take us through the West race real quick here Danny sure so the West Houston won Golden State two we know that Portland can fall out of the three but it basically requires losing to San Antonio those teams teams play again and San Antonio winning out that's pretty much the way it happens then it's still just an absolute cluster after that San Antonio the Jazz the Thunder the Wolves the Pels all are within and if you take out San Antonio all those teams are with win within one loss and then the Nuggets are now at 35 so that's really the line at this point it looks like and then after that you know the Clippers if they if they end up coming at, pulling out this game they still have an outside shot but I think they're pretty much done and what's so fun about this is all of these teams have competitive games left this is not just one team beating up a bunch of soft opponents everybody has somebody tough depending on context and who clinches what when could be big for example that game you've talked about Utah Portland on the last day of the season that could matter for Portland or it could not we don't know yet yeah Portland yeah oh one other quick thing we wondered about because Denver falling off whether their two games against Minnesota would matter or not they sure as hell do now I mean Denver winning one or both of those especially if it's both those can make their way back in and Minnesota looks like they're going to be getting Jimmy Butler back but they still need to take care of business all right we'll get to the latest in the tank race momentarily but first this uh, from Helix Sleep there's nobody on the planet like you so why would you buy a mattress built for everyone else I tried getting a mattress built for everyone else a couple of years ago we were looking for a new mattress uh, we tried one of those mattress delivery companies that's one size fit all well i do not fall into all people uh, according to those companies so we tried out helix sleep instead uh, my girlfriend at the time and now fiance did some research found them we filled out their two to three minute questionnaire and i think it was it took about a week for us but within seven to ten days uh, in a box the size of a set of golf clubs they ship you your custom mattress you can even customize each side uh, for you and your partner although my fiance and i are so compatible we're able to get the same kind throughout uh hopefully that expression of true love uh, won't make you sick to your stomach but anyway the custom mattress is great it's the best mattress i've ever slept on we have another one now too for our guest room and you have to take my word for it either because you get 100 nights to try out your helix sleep mattress the way to get started with them go to helixsleep.com slash catspace right now and you can get up to $125 now towards your mattress order with that helixsleep.com slash catspace url get 100 nights to try it out if you don't like it you may return it no questions asked but i suspect that you will not need to do that because it is customized towards your preferences once again that url helixsleep.com slash catspace get up to 125 dollars towards your mattress order helixsleep.com slash catspace let them know that you came from us so catch you up quickly on the tanking relevant results or no you want to do you want to do east playoffs first i'll, I'll do east playoffs first 
because I already have the the sword on it, so it's faster. <laughs> it's actually pretty straightforward now, unless unless a big swap happens. Toronto one, Boston two, then Cleveland and Philly. It's probably going to be whoever wins that game between those two teams gets the three. The other team gets the four. Pacers look like they're going to be the five. They're two back in the loss column, and then six, seven, eight. The Bucks, Wizards, and Heat are all tied in the win column and the loss column right now. So it could go in a lot of different directions. I think the Bucks have the easiest schedule, but there's also the idea of depending on what happens in that. Well, actually, depending on what happens in that Cleveland Philly game, what seed do you want? And so, will there be some gamesmanship? And the last game of the season for these three teams are all being played at the exact same time. So that'll be fun if it if it comes down to that with some with some real fungibility. Because while the Celtics have been playing well overall, I still think they're the most intriguing of those teams if Cleveland gets the three and Toronto gets the one. Yeah, the reason you would have to say the Bucks have the inside track there are many games brooklyn at home at the knicks who uh put up a scalding 73 points at home against the magic tonight to lose by 24 it, my poor buddy texted me he's like oh i'm at the game and i'm like oh man this is gonna be awful <laughs> just a terrible double tank game uh and then they've got orlando at home and then at philly the last day of the season which philly will probably have to be trying at that point you, you imagine because they'll be wanting to get the third seed that's really the precious real estate uh there and then i think all those teams in the bottom they're going to be wanting to avoid cleveland for the reasons that we talked about boston still looking like the most attractive matchup toronto's playoff foibles aside because we don't know if kyrie irving will have returned by then it seems unlikely that he will and certainly seems unlikely that he'd be 100 percent if he is ready for the start of that series maybe he comes back during the middle but that's just going to be absolutely fascinating and then the wizards they actually play at cleveland that'll be an interesting one if they in some ways it might make sense for the wizards to lose that not that they necessarily are going to have much of a choice frankly uh because if they can bump up cleveland's fortunes and bring themselves down uh at least i mean if your number one priority is well we just don't want to play cleveland you probably want to lose that game you might have to play the raptors but you know you're probably getting closer to the seventh seed there and then for miami they almost lost at home to atlanta but then they've got at atlanta at the knicks which are two easy ones in theory followed by okc at home which is a, a late interconference game which is rare and then toronto at home on the last day of the season probably a toronto team that won't be trying then so that's something to keep in mind as well so yeah i mean the the big races are those six through eight bucks wizards heat and then sixers Cavs. i think everyone else is looking pretty darn locked in and the pacers are predicted to finish with like two wins on either side of them as of now but you know if they win all their remaining games then that changes but they have a pretty tough schedule uh with golden state at home then they're at toronto although then they finish up with two games against charlotte which should probably be automatic wins the way charlotte's playing recently but probably looking like you know two and two maybe they go three and one over that stretch for the tank race i don't know if you know this but i'm pretty excited about it because it's me so if we go by the win column which is really what you do with bad teams phoenix 20 wins memphis 21 atlanta 22 orlando 23 dallas 24 so the, all those teams they're all distinct at this moment separate from one another though there are each one of those teams other than atlanta has one or more double tank games left then brooklyn and sacramento are tied at 25 chicago after their w- strange win against the wizards today they're at 26 and the disastrous knicks are at 27 and they have no double tank games left they also play cleveland twice i assume cleveland is going to try to annihilate them in both of those games because they're still trying so i think the knicks the the knicks are probably the most stable to me 
at their at their current total, but it's going to be some absolute chaos, including that Memphis Sacramento game and on the last day of the season, Phoenix Dallas, which now because Phoenix beat Sacramento actually matters for the Suns if Memphis doesn't win again. Oh yeah, we're I mean we wanted to do a double tank game. We just had too much to talk about with like this prospect stuff is kind of taking it up a little bit. But well, I I can I can do a quick thirty seconds on the very end of that Suns oh, Kings game. It can be our I would like for nothing now. better. So Sacramento was in the they had the ability to not foul. I believe they were down three with like I think it was about thirty seconds to go, so, and they had timeout left. And they do foul, but eventually it circles back, and Phoenix has the ball up three with thirteen seconds to go. They pass the ball into Daniel House, who had that crazy highlight in the game against the Warriors. He had a couple nice plays tonight, and the Kings weren't fouling. They weren't fouling at all. They trapped him in in the corner in his back court, and oh no, it was in his front court, and he just decided to pass the ball out of nowhere and bounced the ball off the Kings, then it bounced off House himself. So then Sacramento got a chance, down three with seven seconds to go. They advanced the ball. And so your basic goal there is, you know, contest every shot. If you get a chance to foul where it's not a three-point shooting foul, do it. The Suns gave up an open three to Bogdanovich. He missed it. Kings get the offensive rebound, kick it out, get another open three. I think it was Justin Jackson the second time, and he misses, so the Suns still win. Yeah, and the Kings, interestingly enough, the only true big who played for them was Willie Cauley-Sign. Zach Randolph, I guess his season is over. They didn't play Costa Kufos at all. So they they started Vince Carter at the four, Cauley-Sign at the five. I guess Nigel Hayes was their nominal center at times of this. Bruno even played five minutes for them. I, I, I'm really sad that I didn't watch this game now. <laughs> but there are other more important games to, to watch. And then for Phoenix, uh, Josh Jackson had 28 points uh, on 23 shots. He played 39 minutes. Uh, Alex Len made a triumphant return and was plus nine with 17 points. Probably won this one for Phoenix. Uh, I don't know why they had to bring him back, but they did. Thought he might get shut down for the season. I guess that's probably enough uh, on this game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so what's your prediction, Danny, of how it's all going to turn out? I think the Suns are going to end up with the most ping pong balls by themselves. I think they're going to, they're going to, if they have to lose the last game to Dallas, they're going to do it. Dallas has been more broadly competitive, even though Mark Cuban said what he said, they're going to do that. Memphis probably gets the, gets the second most, though I could see them tying with the Hawks because every game Atlanta plays, the remainder of the way is against the competitive team. So maybe they tie at 22 wins. Orlando just can't stop getting out of their own way periodically like that that game against the magic they had another wait, game they, where they were competitive or, or the but game against the losing. magic what did you actually mean oh sorry the magic against the knicks where they won by oh, 20 yes. because the knicks are yeah. awful but then there was i think it was the magic against the hawks it was one of those games where they were actually ahead you know doing what they should do and losing it late but you know i could i could see them getting there but again i've already said they move up one so it might not matter that much to orlando to pull one more out and uh then after that uh, i'm less interested yeah and uh the mavs have two double tank games left i think they're really the inflection point they're like the mm-hmm. fifth seed now they've got 24 wins if they could lose out well and yeah and those two nets bulls games which are going to be spectacular <laughs> uh yeah i mean the bulls the bulls are are like pretty close to fuck now like they if they just hadn't won these last three games they would be at 23 wins they could have the the number four uh overall seed now they're looking like it's going to be eight but yeah I mean, if the bat if the mavs can lose 
this game at orlando then they'll be uh, orlando will be tied with them so the mavs can probably if they can lose all the rest of their games assure themselves a top four pick uh but you know this is a disastrous one for them tonight against the blazers um all right i think that'll do it for now let's uh we'll bring mark in here and talk about some coaching vacancies and danielle will be back tomorrow still got a lot of good stuff we got to finish up with these young guys at some point here we also have to do checking in on the over-unders and uh how danny and i did i have no idea actually where we're at so don't spoil it danny uh i have a feeling that this might be the year that i lose you but i haven't actually gone back and checked it after i completely dominated you the first couple of years uh but i I think both of us are going to be worse this year than we usually are and then uh got to do awards obviously as well and then uh, all the playoff race stuff next week so gonna be a busy fun time here hope you will stick with us uh, through the start of the playoffs we'll bring in mark here one second all right so let's talk some coaching vacancies here this is uh the exact thing that we are proud to have mark stein on the podcast for get some actual sourced reporting uh on this type of stuff so he talks to more people than just about anyone else so mark we had an unprecedented zero coaching turnover last off season and so you feel like it's kind of been building up for a while here now and that uh we could have a fairly active off season in that regard yeah i think everybody feels like the carousel will be spinning at normal speeds again we saw three coaching changes during the season last year it was just crazy i mean no in-season changes and then we didn't even have changes in the off season and both of those you have to go deep into the 70s had to have some long consultations with the elias sports bureau to try to figure out when the last <laughs> time that happened so that was that was crazy and yeah i think everyone kind of expects that in pretty short order after the season some jobs are going to open up right away and then as they always do there will there will probably be some that we we don't see coming as we talk here in early april that you know depending on what happens in the playoffs wouldn't surprise me if a job or two opens that we don't even think about right now yeah that's a a good point there and i think probably the way to do this is let's just start with who do we think you know very high probability the job is going to be open let's start with those teams who comes to mind there i would say there are four orlando frank vogel new york jeff hornacek phoenix jay triano although jay will be involved in the interview process he will get an interview same thing with milwaukee joe prunty will certainly get a chance to interview for the full-time job but if you talk to people in coaching circles i think they would say those are the for sures that we expect to see changes and then you have that next category where detroit memphis Charlotte, you know, I think people expect a move, but it's it's too soon to say for sure in those cases. So so start start with those four. I think Suns, well, okay, Knicks, so, Suns, so, Suns, Knicks, yeah. Magic, Magic Bucks. You can you can right. almost bank on on change. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like Frank Vogel not the choice of the Jeff Weltman regime. They gave him a shot this year, although they've had more injuries, I think, than people really acknowledge over the course of the year, and and it's almost like that seven and four start almost hurt them more you know if they had just kind of eight or eight and four it it was eight and four (laughs) that's right yeah and 
but you know when they've been healthy they've actually been okay-ish but certainly not enough there for Vogel to save his job I think he's tried to do some things in terms of getting his style to be a little bit more modern but just has not had the personnel I mean they've had to go with like Mo Spates and Bismack Biombo. so I feel for him a little bit that he hasn't really been given the best chance you know that they tried playing like Aaron Gordon at the three that torpedoed last year they had the whole Serge Ibaka thing like that didn't go well but Vogel was supposed to be this defensive coach they have not defended uh and so I think that's when you combine it with the fact that there's a new regime in town that makes a a lot of sense there um you mentioned Memphis as a maybe so you think they might just hold on to JB Victor stuff it's just because you can't even call what's going to happen with their ownership situation you know they're in the middle of this buy sell deal right now where the working assumption around the league is that Robert Robert Perra will keep possession of the team and if he does maybe Bickerstaff survives because obviously the Grizzlies haven't been trying to win you know they're clearly trying to secure the best lottery position that they can so it's been such a crazy year there that I don't think anybody knows yet what the Grizzlies intentions are and then there's the flip side what if Para doesn't keep the team what if it winds up going to Strauss or Kaplan the two minority owners what if it goes to one of them in this buy sell process then obviously you would you would expect a full house cleaning if there's new ownership so it's just too it's just too soon to say what's going to happen there yeah, I'm glad you brought that the Memphis ownership thing up because we had talked about that in the program previously. I think I, I was incorrect in, and I think uh, the um, Sports Business Journal article had a few things I, I've heard some pushback on. Basically, the idea that uh, you know Kaplan and Strauss would be working together. I, my understanding is that actually now each of them are to submit bids, and yes, so they, they, they are separate yeah. entities in this process. So you know it's a month long buy sell process. Those guys lodge their bids, and Para basically decides do i buy them out or do, do you know do do one of them get the team and and if you're gonna mess it up i have no shot you're supposed to be the smart one here well i mean it's, you i don't have access to the documents if i did i could probably be more accurate but uh yeah so i think it's uh but but you you said the assumption is that pair is going to keep it huh i would say Look, nobody knows for sure, but when you sure. when you pull anyone who's close to this, that's kind of the the belief that that Para the most likely scenario is that Para would keep the team. At least that's the way it looks now. I think if you were in Memphis, I think most people in Memphis would tell you the same thing. But it's going to be one of those deals that we're, we're realistically not going to know until we know. Yeah, and I mean, there's seem to be varying accounts of like how much money Para actually has to be able to afford to buy those guys out and their valuation while it's not like para has to come up with like a billion in cash you know he's got to come up with hundreds of millions of dollars at least more than you or i have by the month yes <laughs> yes uh yeah uh you know barring uh an unexpected rich uncle somewhere uh but yeah i i Fuker staff it's interesting that you say that i mean it's certainly they haven't performed but he's kind of been acting and coaching like a guy who's like on the team and like trying to be there for the long haul with some of the stuff the tanking stuff they've been doing like you know pulling marcus all when he's 11 of 12 from the field yeah, I mean, and, and how can you they're beating I mean, look, utah how can you judge him on what we've seen from this team for the last 
last 60 games. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's comical, some of the stuff that's happening in these games, especially late in the season. So it's just such a bizarre set of circumstances that, you know, can you make a real evaluation of J.B. Bickerstaff's coaching acumen based on what we've seen, especially over the last month, six weeks, two months? No. Yeah, and also you would think that with the team in flux, they're not, they already have to pay David Fieldsdale, obviously, who got fired. You know, I assume he had the standard three-year contract, so they're still going to be paying him next year. So they're not going to have to also pay another big name, and I assume that J.B. would come relatively cheaply uh, for an organization that is probably going to be concerned about that for some time, given the fact that they have a pretty high I mean, payroll. Do, do and, established coaches yeah. want to go there with the state of the franchise yeah, right now? I that's would true think, too, right? I would think any established coach is going to want some clear answers on, okay, who owns this team? What's the direction? Where are we going? Is Marc Gasol going to be there? Is Conley going to be there? Uh, you know, there's Look, we always can say there are 30 jobs, and obviously people, you know, there, there would obviously be, be 10 coaches or more after the job, but is it going to be anybody established, really, who, who, who wants that job until there's some semblance of stability there? Yeah, so it seems like Hornacek, uh, you know, everything seems to indicate that they're probably going to move on from him. It's kind of a new regime for them as well. They haven't played well, though. I mean, I think when Hornacek has had a healthy team that they've performed reasonably well, uh, and he's another guy who you'd have to say, I mean, with all the mellow drama and Phil Jackson, and then, it, you know, they were actually playing, you know, close to 500 ball before uh, Porzingis started getting hurt again this year, uh, although they were getting a little lucky with their point differential. So another guy, maybe it's been unfair, but it does seem like the writing is on the wall for him. Um, and then Phoenix, I mean, do you think Triano has any kind of a shot there, or are they just going to open it up? Well, you know, when I did in January, right around the turn of the, you know, when, when the calendar flipped to 2018, I did some predictions for what I thought would happen, some big basketball stories in 2018. And, and at that point in January, I was hearing Jay's going to survive. He, he's he's going to get a new deal. Uh, he's done pretty well under the circumstances establishing some accountability there but things appear to have changed the the vibe i get now is that it would be unlikely if he stays again he you know ryan mcdonough their gm has been very open in saying the coaching search has already begun jay will get full consideration through that interview process so he'll certainly he'll certainly get an interview and it's actually been suggested to me don't be surprised if he were to he were asked to stay on as an assistant even if they did decide to go out and hire somebody new but look, I am not a college hoops maven, but I think we all know that you have to ask the question now, how much longer before Jay Wright makes the jump to the NBA? The Suns have been linked to Jay Wright forever. I'm not saying Phoenix is the team that can lure him away from Villanova. Uh, the yeah, Suns I sun- mean, his Suns Villanova are... teams have more experience <laughs> yeah. than the Suns do. I mean, the Suns are so far away from contention. I don't know that that's the job that Jay Wright wants to leave his Villanova fiefdom for, but... Are the Suns interested in Jay Wright? For years, we've been hearing that. So I do believe there is something to that, and I'm I'm sure other teams will will explore that option. Milwaukee, you mentioned Joe Prunty. I mean, it does seem unlikely that he would be retained there. You know, they started off playing so well and then really have dropped off a, a little bit. They've had some bad losses late, that big collapse against Denver. You know, maybe if they really do well in the playoffs, some idea that that could change. But well, yeah, I mean, because look, they I mean, have the way, the way the way the 
Raptors are going in the last week. I mean, if Milwaukee, <laughs> you know, stunned Toronto in the first round, I think obviously that could that could change things in a big way. But barring something like that, I think you're going to see Milwaukee looking for a new coach. I think they're moving into a new building, and I don't know that they want to spend major major coaching dollars. But there is there is some sense out there in Brewtown that they'd like to make some kind of splash in the coaching market. And obviously, you've heard this one a zillion times. You know, our, our buddy Zach Lowe and Howard Beck just did a, did half a pod on it. A- everybody wants the Milwaukee job. Everybody wants the chance to coach Giannis. So they, they're, already, you know, they're already fielding calls. They've been fielding calls for months from interested coaches. You know, who would, Rick, who would Rick, you consider Rick, to be? It? Yeah, okay, go just ahead. Just to give you an example, Patino's one. You know, I I, I was told that Patino, <laughs> uh, you know, called the Bucks to see if he had any shot there and, and was told uh, that's unlikely. But, you know, it's just, it just, it just illustrates the kind of interest that that job is going to generate. Well, so you said a splash. I mean, it, it's probably too early to make predictions of who are really going to be the front runners for specific jobs at this point. But like, what would you consider to be a splash? Like who, who, what is the consensus on who the best available coaches might be? Maybe even guys who are on uh, coaching other teams right now. But uh, like, w- what is the top of the market really like? Uh, just as we look at it from ten thousand feet here, I don't know that it's. I don't know that we can say who is the number one hot guy yet. But I think even just what just happened in the college game, I think the Jay Wright question is a pretty burning question. Does anybody have a chance to lure this guy away from? You know, again, I don't know enough about college basketball. Can we call it a dynasty at Villanova? Maybe that's too strong a word. But he's obviously got a great thing going in his college program. Can anybody lure him out of that? I think that's going to be a big coaching question. Now, at some point in 2018, I'm told, you know, the Bucks did explore at least some sort of informal conversations with Van Gun- Jeff Van Gundy and Kevin McHale. Was that before they let Jason Kidd go? Was that after they let Jason Kidd go? I haven't been able to exactly pinpoint that but you know i i do think that there was uh, you know some exploration some level of exploration there uh, i would have to think fizdale is going to be a very hot name around the league i think that's someone milwaukee would look at and certainly other teams will there's going to be pretty pretty i would think pretty significant interest in david fizdale monty williams is another is another name that i think people expect him to get back in the coaching ranks sooner rather than later it's but it's easy to talk about teams looking at changes at this point than it is about who they're going after well they need to get this one right i mean that's the one thing that we do know because Giannis has three years left on his contract they may have uh, you know tim bontemps uh, wrote today about how they might if they move on from jabari parker they might be looking to get some free agents in the summer of 2019 although they also would lose bledsoe and middleton under that scenario but you got to have a good coach there you got to have had some success previously and you know you're after one more year you're at like two years left and that's when a lot of these guys get traded if you're not in a position to win so next year is going to be just a massive year for them you have to think that whatever coach they can get that yeah, uh, it's uh, it would be a wise move to pay for whoever they think the best candidate is because if the alternative is losing Giannis Antetokounmpo, then it's uh, a much different scenario than you know paying a couple extra million bucks for a coach. I mean, look, they you know they made the abrupt change, they made Bucks Twitter very happy by ousting Jason Kidd, and here they are, you know, two months later, they're still eighth in the East. I mean, it hasn't you know it it hasn't made any real difference. So yeah, they're, they're, you're right. I mean, look, the good the thing 
working in Milwaukee's favor and one of the things that makes Giannis such an endearing story, he genuinely loves Milwaukee and he doesn't want to leave. But yeah, he's not going to settle for eighth every season and just be happy with it. They're going to have to make a jump here into the East Elite sooner rather than later or it's just inevitable, you would think. I mean, he basically, you know, I, I guess there was some reports that he did an interview in his native tongue and and basically was suggesting that that he's not going to be patient forever so I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make progress next season I think the Bucks understand that I think they know it all right we'll be right back with Mark here uh, momentarily We'll be right back with Mark after this from Simple Contacts, where you can renew your contact lens prescription from your couch in under five minutes. I do not need contacts, but my fiance does. And I had her use the app and she was like, oh, wait, like, why why do I have to do this vision test? Like, what is this? Like, I want to just like put in my prescription. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, you actually just got a prescription right now in five minutes. You don't have to go to the doctors anymore. You don't have to make an appointment, drive there, sit in the waiting room for way longer than you really should have to you're saving probably two hours and the vision test is only twenty dollars so that's going to be a lot less expensive as well and once you actually get to ordering your contact lenses through them their prices are unbeatable so remember of course that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam they haven't been able to do that yet through an app but they can let you renew your prescription make sure that it still helps you see 2020 and then renew that the way to get started with them is at simplecontacts.com slash capspace or you can enter the capspace code whatever you like to do if you're a code person you can do that if you want to do the url you can do the slash capspace url simplecontacts.com slash capspace and that'll get you $30 off your first Simple Contacts order. Again, that's simplecontacts.com slash Capspace. Easy to remember that because we talk about Capspace all the time in the program. Or just enter code Capspace at checkout to get $30 off your contacts and save a ton of time. All right, so how about the Denver Nuggets? They've had a little bit of a surge recently playoff hopes are on life support but if they can play well down the end maybe they can still sneak into the ac although you would have to imagine that will lead to a ceremonial dismissal if they end up playing the rockets uh, maybe they could take a couple games off this golden state team without curry but they'd love the to be there. there they'd love they'd love to yeah. be swept they, they just want to get there. i mean <laughs> they will they will uh they will suffer through a sweep if they must the sense i get is look it would be an undeniable disappointment if the nuggets can't get in because they were on track for it lost their way and as you said they've made a nice run here to put some pressure on minnesota and new orleans at the bottom of the conference and and it's you know they they still have a chance to sneak in there but the sense i've gotten is given mike malone's relationship with management you know i i would see a change as unlikely yes it would be disappointing for them to miss the playoffs but you know they also they do have the alibi that Millsap missed a bunch of time and i'm sure they would point to that and say that's that's what did us in all the time that we didn't have Millsap. And I, I think I think that's what kind of helps. That would help preserve Mike Malone's job. That's interesting. Yeah, because it seems like a lot of people are, or there's a lot of smoke there that hey, if they miss the playoffs, you know, he could be out. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, locally in terms of the media, feel like he, he has some weaknesses that the, his relationship with Jokic is, you know, he's kind of yanking him around and we haven't heard any, any of that actually from Jokic, of course course uh but yeah that, that would be uh interesting to me if they hold on to him he certainly would go into next season with a lot of pressure on him to be sure um any other teams that come to mind i guess should we talk about detroit a little bit i mean it seems like just reading the tea leaves that you know stan is going to lose his 
executive powers but that they might want to keep him on for the this fifth year of his contract as a coach well i think the best way to describe it is you know tom gores and stan van gundy have had a great relationship and the two of them will hash it out i do think arn Tellum, who is essentially operating as you know, he, he's basically ownership level there, even though he runs the business side for the Pistons. I think he will also have a very, very strong voice in the process. Talking to people around the league, people who are watching this very closely, the sense I consistently get is that there will for sure be a change in the front office. Stan would not be running the front office anymore. You know, I reported a couple of weeks ago, I reported in January that Arn's voice would just get louder and louder, but reported a couple of weeks ago that the Pistons also have interest in Chauncey Billups as a potential successor to Stan in the front office. Uh, you know, the Pistons deny that. Is that a denial because there's a coach in place and they don't want to talk about it while Stan is still in place? Is that a denial because no, that means Stan is going to stay? I think there are people in Detroit who think, you know, this little rally that the Pistons have staged at the end of the season, maybe it, sa- it saves Stan. But talking to people around the league, if Stan can survive this season where the Pistons were most definitely expected to be at the least a playoff team and then made the huge Blake Griffin gamble. Yes, Reggie Jackson has missed a lot of time, but I think people around the league would be shocked if Stan can survive this. And and I think the working assumption is that, you know, would he want to stay on as just the coach? Probably not. Uh, So I think around the league, people really do expect big changes in Detroit. But, you know, we'll see. I think if you talk to people who are in Detroit, they would say, no, Stan might survive this. You know, the Pistons, again, they're, they're, you know, they're not mathematically eliminated. You know, they're still barely hanging in the race for the eighth spot. I, I don't see any way they could get it at this point. But, you know, I would yeah. say my... You're lucky my, we're running this tonight because they'll probably be eliminated by tomorrow night. <laughs> I mean, my, my <laughs> strong lean is that we're going to see change in Detroit that would seem to make sense you, you, know, you signed that five-year 35 million dollar contract to do the dual role uh it seemed like Golden State was interested in him. they did not give him uh, the opportunity to do the the dual role so he gets that taken away from that obviously was important to him but really I mean in some ways okay you probably I don't know if they're going to get a coach that's going to be better than Stan Van Gundy as just a coach for next year right but he's only got one year left on his contract so okay they they play well next year now you're going to re-sign him to another big contract and it's not the guy of whoever comes in to uh be president of basketball operations you know so now there's some friction there with the guy who used to be in that job it does seem like it ultimately would be untenable and one of these things are like okay hey we'll keep him around just because but then if he does well it's almost like a worst case scenario for them because then they have to keep him and i think that's why i think that's exactly right i think that's why uh in my efforts to find people around the league who think that stan can kind of survive this onslaught of pressure or this rising pressure on him it's I have not I have not been successful in finding too many people who think he can you mentioned Charlotte as a possibility and is that just because like what is the reason for that is that they feel like Steve Clifford hasn't done that good of a job that it's just Mitch Kupchak is going to want to have a, his own guy like why is yeah, that I, th- I, th- because, I, yeah. I think it's more you just believe that uh you know assuming that they can come to terms with Mitch Kupchak and get this deal done they've offered well the how, job. how are they gonna how are they gonna outbid all the other super for Mitch Kupchak, <laughs> I reported Monday that the formal offer has been made. So the, I know the <laughs> look. I know the Hornets are confident that they will get this thing to the finish line. <laughs> 
so I, look, Mitch. Mitch is going to come in, and you would assume he's going to do a complete evaluation of the organization, and you would assume he would have, you know, he would have the say if he wants to make a coaching change. I would imagine he would have the license to do that. So that's why you put Charlotte on the list, just because if a new GM is coming in, you have to you have to assume or you have to give them the latitude to maybe make a change if they want to. Why are they hiring Mitch Kupchak? Well, look, everyone's going to point to the North Carolina connection between Jordan and Mitch. But I think Mitch's stature around the league, I mean, he does have four championships on his resume as a GM. I think those things really appeal to Charlotte in terms of establishing credibility. Uh, You know, Mitch took a lot of heat for the, you know, the way his last few years unfolded in Los Angeles but I think I think we're doing him a disservice if we focus completely on that and so look I don't think there's any question that you know Jordan must know him on some level and that there's a comfort level there that kind of got Mitch's name to the front of the line in the first place but I I I really feel like Mitch has done too much in this game for us to just dismiss him and say ah the game you know look people are going to look at the last few years in LA and say the game's passed him by this is a bad move he signed Deng he signed Mozgov I mean everyone's got misses on their record I mean he he does he does have some triumphs in there too and they're not that hard to find if you go looking for yeah certainly I get get the sense I get the sense that you're not a huge fan of this movie no well the biggest thing that I'm not a huge fan of is the process of it you know just it doesn't sound like they're even interviewing anyone else this is an organization that's had a lot of problems with cronyism it's always you know someone that Michael Jordan knows someone from North Carolina you know it's just uh, this idea that those are the only people that matter that we should look at you know I think that's uh, that's an issue It, it was suggested uh by a local columnist which I, I thought was interesting i don't necessarily agree with it the idea that well they need someone who uh, unlike rich cho can disabuse michael jordan of his worst impulses and uh, my counter to that is well how did how well did mitch kupchak do that with jim bus you know i mean like I mean, when look, they were trying to save their jobs i don't think that's a wrong take but you know yeah. if michael jordan's making the ultimate call here that's not the basis on which he's choosing someone he's not looking for someone yeah. to tell him no um, but look yeah. we i think we talked about it the last time we were together and talked about the Hornets I mean yeah they you know they're an ideal team to, to you know go outside the box and and uh you know look at a Sam Hinkie any team that has has a front office opening you know David Griffin should be on their list I mean you know there there are other people to pursue but I do think I feel like I feel like the commentary about Mitch has been overly negative and too dismissive of some very good things he you know it's not that easy to take over for Jerry West and succeed in Los Angeles Angeles where expectations are insanely high so you know let's let's not completely dismiss what the man has done in his career yeah it's always tough in those situations right like how much equity do previous successes buy you right Paul Gasol that trade was outstanding though you could say that he kind of he kind of ran that first three-peat team into the ground a little bit where they weren't able to get enough supporting players uh but you know he did okay in the in the Shaq trade uh the Gasol trade was great I thought I mean the Steve Nash and Howard trades were great at the time uh uh, you know, he managed to trade away Lamar Odom for a first round pick, which, uh, you know, Odom basically was done at that point. So, I mean, they, they he had some successes, but, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, Joe Dumars is another one of these guys, right? I mean, how much equity are you going to give guys when, you know, they've just sort of been on a string of losses? And, you know, some of that might be ownership. You know, some of that can, I'm surely be blamed on Jim Buss and the moral hazard and trying to save their jobs when they had this kind of ultimatum uh, from Jeannie Buss and the Kobe contract, you know, that probably came from ownership, you know, that last 
last extension that crippled him for a while. You know, all, well, all look, those look, things. Let, let's also true. say yeah. this. Look, Rich Cho yeah. was from the analytics community, analytics community. And Rich Cho was also an outsider by Michael Jordan standards. So I think Jordan yeah. would say as a counter, I tried it the new way and I didn't like it. And I'm going to go back to a more traditional basketball man that, you know, he knows. I mean, I'm sh- you know, he ha- he surely already has a relationship with Mitch Kupchak. How many GM candidates out there could we say that? About? Yeah, and maybe, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see if maybe Kupchak has the gravitas to do some of the, like the big surgery that's going to need to be done with this team or whether it's just going to be kind of stay the course for a couple of years and now you're going to be really bad for a long time. A um, couple other things I wanted to bring up uh doc rivers in la here things every once in a while that you know although he's done a pretty good job that maybe his time there could be coming to an end that he may try to maneuver into one of these other you know big time openings or you know he might just want to go back to orlando because he has a house there or, or whatever it is I mean, what's your sense of whether he'll uh remain there and uh if he were to leave you know whose decision would that be would be his decision mutual decision balmer's decision what do you think I think he wants to stay. I think he loves Los yeah. Angeles. I think they've obviously, in the wake of the Blake trade, I mean, as we're talking late, late, late Tuesday night, they just stunned San Antonio and ended the Spurs run of 18 straight 50 win seasons. And, you know, all night long, I've been tweeting about how San Antonio, wow, that San Antonio, the three seed is suddenly in sight for San Antonio. How on earth is that possible? And that's gone now because the Clippers just beat them. And so the Clippers have had this torrid time with injuries and had to survive the Chris Paul departure and the Blake departure. And, they've, and they're still alive for a playoff berth. So I really think deep down, Doc doesn't want to go anywhere. But the reality is he only has one more year left on his deal. And do I don't I don't get the sense that he's going to be a real candidate in Orlando with a new front office regime there. The Knicks, yeah. will he be on Scott Perry's list? I, re- I, I got to be honest, I don't know the answer. I don't know if Scott Perry's going to give Doc real consideration. So... You know, is Doc forced to look at other options because he only has a year left on his deal? I don't. You know, I I I really think he wants to stay. If he can make it work to stay, I think he I think that's what he'd like to do. Yeah, it's not clear as someone who has angled for personnel power and then lost it. Difficult to imagine he'd be given much input no matter where he goes. And at that point, you know, maybe there's a feeling that you wouldn't want to necessarily bring him in because of that. Um, Alvin Gentry's contract is up at the end of this year, right? In New Orleans? I believe he has. I thought he had one more. Oh, uh, maybe he might have. It might have been like the three, the usual like three plus one with an option. I think I, I remember it being reported. I should actually just look this up, but I remember it being reported as a three-year deal when he was hired, but uh, no indication that they would move on uh, from him at, at this point with them on track to make the playoffs i mean i think the way that they've responded in general to losing cousins has been fantastic now they've hit the skids here lately and it's put their playoff position in peril but the rest of this week they've got memphis and phoenix so they've got winnable games in front of them i I think as long as they hold on to their top eight slot making the playoffs after losing cousins it, it it takes the heat off everybody there you know if they you know after playing so well initially in the wake of Cousins injury you know if they were to slip out of the playoffs can I sit here and say that I know for a fact that everybody's gonna survive I, you know I I don't know how that would be I don't know how that would be viewed and also you know Tom Benson the the owner just passed away so they're going through an ownership transition where now Tom Benson's wife has taken control of the franchise so 
you know, I don't know if anybody yet has an exact handle on how all that is going to impact both Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps, but I do think they're going to survive and make the playoffs. And and that's that's a pretty good effort after losing Cousins because those those they had figured it out. Those two, those two had figured it out. They were really starting to starting to click. And Drew Holiday's been fantastic since Cousins went down. And we all know Anthony Davis has been playing MVP ball since uh, MVP ball since Cousins went down. But you know that it's actually been very quiet on the Hornets. I mean on the Pelicans speculation front of late because because they've had they've responded to that injury so well. Yeah, and uh, actually it there he does have a four million dollar team option uh, for next year so if they want to bring him back they can and you would imagine that uh, they probably would i mean maybe if they missed the playoffs that could change but it seems like it's enough in flux and uh tom benson's widow's comments have kind of indicated a desire to look stay they, the they want to keep they want to keep cousins and alvin gentry has had a great rapport with cousins i mean he he's had you know he had cousins dialed in playing well the the davis cousins pairing pairing was working so you know i would think if you if you want to keep cousins in their successful in that front you'd want to you'd want to keep alvin on the sideline this is another one that just before the season and this is not based on anything i've heard but just again the ten thousand foot view in atlanta you know coach bud lost his president of basketball operations hold powers, on one second hold although, on one second why yeah. is your pl- why does your plane fly, fly so low isn't it isn't it the thirty thousand foot view you're, you're, <laughs> you, you fly your plane way too low at this ten thousand yeah. feet uh, i'm uh yeah i'm fire I, i'm flying like you know a world war one uh fighter jet <laughs> or something all right. all right snoopy go ahead <laughs> uh but yeah so bud lost his president of basketball operations powers he was not the handpicked guy, though, by all accounts, a, a very good coach. And Travis Schlank has gone into a rebuilding mode, which Bud, based on the way he ran the team as president of basketball operations, doesn't seem like he was that into. But do you think it is the assumption that he's going to continue on next year? I mean, I will say people have thrown it out there that, you know, I think it's even been written as well that he, you know, he might look to go elsewhere, uh, you know, to more of a, a, a playoff team. I have not heard that with my own ears uh, from anyone who purports to know what Bud is thinking. But it has, look, it's that theory has been making the rounds, but I get in trouble when I just throw out theories. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll let other people, yeah. I'll let other people say that that's what he wants to do. Like I said, until, until I hear it with my own ears i'm uh, you know i'm i'm not buying it yeah i mean it would if i were him just uh, and again this is not based on any actual effects but if i were him i would you know kind of perk my ears up maybe send out some feelers about a, a job like milwaukee or denver i mean the hawks are just they're years away from being relevant again i mean that's got to wear on you eventually i mean that some of the tanking that they've done you know where again like dennis shooter in the midst of an awesome game okay hey sit down in the middle of the third quarter against phoenix like you know that's got to really wear on a but let's be honest, unless you're Kerr, D'Antoni, Stevens, and Pop, you're probably interested in the Milwaukee job. I mean, who 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 isn't? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really interesting. And uh, it's going to – I can't wait to see where that one ends up. Um, but they do not have a list. Yeah. They do not have a list. <laughs> Let me just be clear. Not have a list. Um, any coaching candidates uh, uh, that we haven't discussed that, that have been kind of making the rounds again, not to necessarily link them to specific jobs at, at this early point, but uh, hot names maybe among uh, assistants or, uh, you know, guys who have kind of been out of it for a, a little bit. 
I think we've nailed, or I think we covered most of them. Uh, but the assistant thing, you know, Chris Mannix had an interesting piece. I think it was today where he kind of went yeah. through a bunch of assistant names. And, you know, we'll see if any of the assistants in the league get a crack. Jerry Stackhouse is someone that people have an eye on because he's had such good success in the G League. And, uh, you know, uh, look, Orlando is going to be run by Jeff Weltman, who knows Stackhouse very well after they worked together in Toronto. What if, wait a minute, wait a minute, Toronto. I can't believe I pronounced the T. That is, I should get docked major points for that. That was bad. <laughs> Edit that out. I haven't spent uh, enough time there to... to Toronto, uh, Toronto. Edit yeah. that out. I, I don't want to lose any credit with my Canadian <laughs> my Canadian pals. Uh, another one, uh, Char- what what if Charlotte decides to make a change? Stackhouse is is a North Carolina legend, but more importantly, he's he's a hot coaching candidate. Would he, would he possibly get a look there? So I think you keep your eye on Stackhouse for sure. And then, you know, Fisdale, you know, he he was in that rare situation where at the time he lost his job, people were so surprised by the timing that it might have actually helped his stock, if you can believe it or not. Sometimes that happens. I think my kind of classic example for that is, you know, Dwayne Casey was in the midst of a 500 season when Minnesota let him go. And yeah. his stock actually rose after that. Everyone looked at the Wolves like, what are you doing? Why are you just firing this guy now? And then Dwayne went to Dallas, had great success as an assistant, and you've seen the run he's been on with the Raptors. So I kind of I kind of see Fisdale in the same mold that he's going to get quite a bit of interest this summer when he's back on the market. Monty Williams, as we said before, is he going to get back in soon? Uh, Mark Jackson, yeah. you know, we have to... Yeah, we have to, that, yeah. that's... That's uh that would be pretty remarkable. Look, I'll 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 I mean I've heard I've heard people I've talked to people that are very very of the strong belief that Mark will get consideration for the Knicks job. But I have to say, none of those people who've told me that are employed by the Knicks. So that's a wait and see situation. <laughs> but but his his name keeps getting connected to that Knicks job. So I think at the very least, he's going to get a real look there. Yeah, and they would at least fit the profile of where he had success in Golden State of bringing a certain attitude, a certain uh, uh, feeling for player development. Although uh, if they want, someone who's going to like reduce some of the drama at msg that might not be the the direction to go necessarily um a couple names that that i wanted to mention that i've heard talk about among the assistant ranks as kind of the hot assistants uh one who led the slovenian national team to uh a Eurobasket upset uh Igor kokoskov uh serbian now a jazz assistant uh the way the jazz have played okay, with first Quinn we got to say his, first yeah. we got to say his name right or else my serbian uh, or my Serbian friends are going to get mad at me. I, yeah. I'm going to do my best. Kokoskov, Igor Kokoskov. And yes. Oh, yeah, there he, is an accent mark over the he S. He is, uh, look, what he did with Slovenia was nothing short of amazing. He is unquestionably head coach material. And uh, the next time you have Goran Dragic on the pod, he'll tell you that. He's his biggest fan. No question. I don't think, I, I, I think if teams are smart, they should be talking to him and looking at him. No question. Yeah, with Quinn Snyder, what he's been able to do, getting some coach of the year consideration and, and just the, the respect I think everyone has for that Utah program at this point now the the question always is with a guy who coached in europe and david blatt maybe ran into this a little bit uh is you know how well how well are you going to get along with players nba players american players uh the fact that he's been an assistant now for some time obviously that's the thing is, he's uh, igor has yeah. been i mean igor is far more well known at this point than blatt was when he came over now 
Blatt yeah. is American who went to Israel because he had the ability to get an Israeli passport, become a citizen there, play there, learn how to coach there. David Blatt's from Boston. But when he came to the NBA, he was not a known quantity on these shores in any way, shape, or form. Very, very yeah. few NBA players will have been familiar with his work unless they yeah. played and, against him. And in the Europe. NBA wasn't known to him. I mean, I think that was part of it too. And then obviously the fact that he got thrown into maybe, you know, the biggest ego in the game and, and rightfully so in lebron james because you know he's one of the two best players of all time uh you know Look, that but, wasn't but what I guess, he was I guess expecting my my point i guess is by comparison i mean igor's yes. been an assistant now with the clippers the suns the pistons the jazz he's been around the block so long he's been exposed to so many nba players i mean i i don't I don't, he will not be looked at in NBA circles as, oh, this foreign guy. I mean, he's been in the NBA now yeah. for a long, long time. And, and and look, Messina in San Antonio, who's, I mean, as good a coach as there has ever been in the international game and has now been in San Antonio for, what, three, four years. And he was in with the Lakers before that. So, I mean, he's been in the NBA now for a long, long time. And, and people should be looking at Messina. I mean, the guy is a fantastic coach and, you know, really should be looked at as well. We got to get, we yeah. got to get, we got to, we got to get past that, you know. That. I, I agree with you. I mean, but it's, uh, I, I'm not, I wouldn't share those concerns necessarily, but I think, you know, that's a, unfortunately a stereotype that exists. And, and uh, you know, but the fact that he's been around this long makes him different to me than, than Blatt, as you noted. And then another name that I heard was uh, Nick Nurse, another guy out of Toronto. I think people are really impressed with what they've been able to do with their young players, you know, so maybe he's more of a guy who could fit with. With one of these younger teams as a first-time head coach really trying to be uh make sure that they develop their players yeah no question um i've i've actually i met nick when he was coaching in england almost 25 years ago and uh he it's it's he and chris finch who's now in new orleans they were they were rivals they were they were there were three americans there nick nurse chris finch bob donawald who's also coached in the nba and the three of them were these three American rivals coaching in England's basketball league, which is <laughs> back then it was stronger than it is now, but it was still miles away from the NBA level. So to see what those guys have done to make such names for themselves over here in the NBA, Toronto's got a great staff. Dwayne Casey has a great staff. Nick Nurse and Rex Klamian are two of the best assistants in the league. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think both of those guys uh, in Toronto are, are going to start getting more looks. What happened? in time for next season i'm not sure but yeah i don't think there's any question and and in that manix article i think manix what did manix say he he surveyed 36 36 executives around the league and 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 nurse got the most mentioned so that that tells you how how well thought of he is all right, well, I think that's a, a good one to end on. Don't forget about Mark's newsletter, which I am a subscriber to. All you need to do is uh, put in your email address there. And uh, I won't tell anyone to follow you on Twitter, even because if they're following me, they're clearly following you. Uh, you only have like, you know, uh, 19 times the number of followers that I do <laughs> or something no like math. that. No math. Uh, you said there would be no math. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, Where's LaRue? But I, why, 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 why do I never get to talk to LaRue? Why can you only talk to me at one? Like, I never, I, I feel like he's ducking me. What is the deal? I know. We can have him on next time. Uh, it's the, the three man pod can be a little awkward sometimes, but uh, we, no, we I mean, I just recorded him for the with whole him. time, but he should, he should be able to just at least, you know, check in, see how he's doing. He's a, we, uh, we just recorded like 10 minutes before we started actually. So, uh, yeah, I, sh- I should have just kept him around. I'll, I'll you guys sure are always recording. Excellent. I thought that's all you guys do is just you have 78 <laughs> shows. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again. I'm sure I'll see you around uh, during the playoffs. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I think we're going to do tomorrow our over-unders. Danny and I talked about that actually after we recorded. Uh, catch up on our horribly failed predictions on over-unders. See where we went wrong this year. That's always a fun one. So we will talk yeah, keep, to you. Just keep my, keep, my hor- keep my horribly failed predictions out of it. <laughs> All right. Talk to you all later. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.